Ready? Yeah. Yes. Cool. Right. Um. You think you could do these things, but you just can't, Nemo. <laughs> We're going to have more Danny impressions this week. <laughs> That's not very good. We rewrite the dads. 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 We read the dads, 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 dads, dads. Hello! Welcome to We Rate the Dads. With Danny. And Julia. Wow. Wow, yeah. Um so today we're gonna raise two dads for you. Uh Danny has brought along the dads from Finding Nemo. Yes. And Finding Dory. And Finding Dory. Oh, you do both. Well, I mean, I don't. It's just Dory's dad if I enjoy it. Yeah, there's not a huge extra stuff, extra cost. And um, I am doing the dads from the Stormlight Archive, which I will get into when I get into. But before then, rating system. Heartliners. Um, not enough data. Just knows. Bad. Shouldn't be given a baby ever again. Complex. New parenting book. Valid. Great. Would, would 10 out of 10 would have as my dad. Yeah. Basically, that's what we're going for. Um, and, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into it when we actually look at the particulars about yep. what makes them what they are. Yeah. So, uh, Tiana, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, as, uh, I'm doing Finding Nemo, as we mentioned earlier, um, so the main dad in this is Marlin, who's Nemo's dad. He's very anxious and helicoptery, mm-hmm. um, and a bit controlling, but, like, his wife was murdered by a barracuda, you find out at the beginning. And Nemo um, is hurt during this attack. Like, his egg is cracked, um, which I think damages one of his fins. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's, he has a disability. Um, and I think this makes Marlin very, very overprotective. Like, doesn't want Nemo to go to school, and he's very overcautious. Like, they have to go in and out of the anemone, like, three times before he'll leave. Um, he's very anxious about him going off to school and going to the drop-off. Um, going on a school trip, right? Going on a school trip, yeah. Mr. Ray. Um, and I think this, while understandable, isn't great because it pushes Nemo to do dangerous stuff. Like, he rebels against his dad when he follows him to the drop-off. And this is what instigates him into, like, going over to the edge. Nemo wasn't going to do it. He was like, I don't think this is a good idea. It seems dangerous. And then his dad is like, Nemo, what are you doing? It's so dangerous. Why would you find it wrong? Whatever. And then Nemo's like, Oh, dad. And so he goes and does it anyway. It's like, well, I wasn't going to do it, but now I'm... Now I will. Yeah. Because I think his dad is like, you're not a strong swimmer, you shouldn't do this, it's too dangerous, kind of thing. Mm. Um, So he does, and he touches the butt. The boat. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then um, a swimmer sees him out on the reef, the dentist, and he thinks he's rescuing him. So he takes him home, but really he's kidnapping him away from his dad. Yeah. And then Marlon goes on this really long journey... Uh, across the ocean to try and find him, which um, I think uh, he deals with, like, sharks, he deals with jellyfish, he fights an anglerfish, um, he goes into a pelican's mouth <laughs> to go uh, to the dentist's office where Nemo is to find him. I think that's a really dedicated dad. Yeah. Um, also, all of the things that he probably would have thought the worst because of his anxiety level, like... <laughs> yeah. He's clearly, like... Like, the, th- the thing that he says to Nemo is, like, you think you can do these things, but you just can't, can't, Nemo. Mm. Uh, he says this to Dory, like, when Dory's trying to do something, he's like, oh, shit, I really have some anger issues here. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming out weird. 
Um, and there's also another thing that I think is pretty, pretty good line from the Pixar people is that he says, he says, I promise nothing would ever happen to him. He's talking to Dory, and Dory's like, that's weird. <laughs> just like looking at her. She's like, well, if 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 nothing ever happens to him, then nothing, then nothing will happen to him. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Like you have to take the good with the bad. You have to let your children explore the world. Bad stuff will probably happen to them. You can't stop them. It's how they learn. Like, it's how they experience good stuff. You can't control everything. You know, yeah. you've got to learn how to let go and let your children make mistakes and learn and interact with people and stuff. Yeah, and learn how to make good choices, mm-hmm. which they won't do if they never have to make any choices. Yeah, exactly. So, um, he, and, like, when the pelican, um, Gerald, maybe? Uh, no, I think that's the other one. Anyway, he, he like, here's the story. Like, um, all these different fish are talking about Marlin um, traveling the ocean to find Nemo. And he tells, Pelican tells Nemo about it. Mm-hmm. And then um, this is what inspires Nemo to go in and break the filter so that they can go ahead with their escape plan. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, my dad could do this. I can. Um, so, like, I think, yeah, it does. It inspires Nemo, and that's great. Um, Gil also kind of maybe acts as more of a mentor than a dad to him, because, although Gil is, comp- like... Is he the one that's got the scar? Yes. The sexy William fish. <laughs> you didn't see that tweet, then. <laughs> so well, just to know that I'm making a face, and it's concerned for you. No, somebody who tweeted was like, that one sexy fish from Finding Nemo, and everyone what? was trying to guess who it was. Hmm. <laughs> No. Okay. Um. Anyway, let's just move on from this. It's, it's, uh, that was uh, dangerous. So, like, um, uh, I think Gil is kind of a mentor to him. This is the William Dafoe fish. Because mm. um, uh, he also has this ability, his fin is hurt, and he, like, inspires Nemo to, like, be like, you can do, you can do stuff. Mm. You can do it. Um, uh, and he tells him... Uh, yeah, he, like, shows him how to hang about and just... Yeah, I think it, I think it's good. I think it's good that he has these two mentors now. He has his dad and he has Gil. Mm. Who's a bit... Gil's a bit more hands-off, maybe too a little bit laissez-faire, because Nemo nearly does get pasted by that, like... <laughs> that <laughs> propeller thingy in the filter. Yeah. But he's fine in the end. He's fine in the end, it's fine! Um, so we do have a couple of other dads. We have Crush, Squirt's dad. He's very chill, hands-off, let his kids do his own thing. He leaves the eggs on the beach and then they come back to the ocean. This is turtles. Much, yeah, the turtles. Yeah. It's very chill. Yeah. Um, Everybody's extremely chill on the turtles. Very chill, turtles. Yeah. I think Squirt's perfectly fine. Mm. He's, he's a good boy. He He's helpful. He likes... They play with Dory. He's perfectly polite boy. He's always like, hello. Mm-hmm. And stuff. They have a secret handshake, him and his dad. Um, they have like their own cute language. It's like, oh, sweet. It's like totally. And they like talk to each other. It's very nice. Um, we also have the school dads. So I don't know what their names are. I can't remember. Seahorse, yellowfish, and the octopus. I'm just gonna put them as flatliners. I mean, they do sort of discipline their children when they're interacting with Nemo. Like one of them's like, "Let me see your fin." And it's like, "Shut up. Don't be rude. It's the first day of school." Yeah. And the uh, little yellowfish is like, "I'm obnoxious." <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. And then uh, Pearl seems like a very sweet girl. Um, but yeah, you don't really see any dramatic dadding from them. And also we have Dory's dad, Charlie. Um, who's trying to, I mean, him and his wife, 
I'll try to look after their daughter who's got memory problems, mm-hmm. short-term memory loss. Um, and I mean, this is clearly very stressful them. They were quite worried about her. Um, and they are trying to come up with ways to help her remember things. Like they teach her songs like about the undertow and how it's dangerous. And that if she ever gets lost, she should follow the sh- blue shells to get back home. Um, uh, and they like, when she gets sucked out of the aquarium in the undertow or whatever and out into the ocean, um, they like follow her. They leave the aquarium, the, like these, the sanctuary where they live, and they make like a little house outside and they lay out loads of blue shells to like get Dory to come home because they think she's lost. Anyway, it's really sad. Yeah. So, I would say, um, I would say pretty much all of the dads, apart from the school dads who are fat lines are valid. Yeah, I would agree. Again, I think it's kind of a case where... A bit, like, a little bit, you know. But, yeah. you know, he comes from a place of love. He also grows throughout the film. Yeah. He, he gets that growth in, and he, yeah. like, overcomes his own fears, and, like, therefore understands that, like, Nemo can kind of overcome his own yeah. fears and issues as well. Yeah. Without him having to, like, constantly hover around. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, okay, right. So, uh, I'm going to do the dads from the Stormlight Archive, which you guys may or may not have heard of, because it's kind of like a, a series of books. Fantasy books. Not super well-known, um, but pretty famous. It's certainly foremost in nerd circles. Yeah, if you're in the nerd circles. If you're not, you'll I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and there's a book by uh, an author called Brandon Sanderson. Um, so we have to kind of do our, like, Mormonism disclaimer again. Except maybe not again, because I think the Twilight episode is coming out after this. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you have any kind of issues with that, it doesn't really come up no. in the book series. And so we're not really going to be talking about it too much. But just, just to be aware of it. He just fades to black. Yeah. That's it, really. That's it. But, yeah, so it's not quite like, I guess, when we were talking about Twilight, which, again probably going to come out after this, uh, where, like, I guess that heavily influences what happens in the text. It's more just, like, just be aware. Do your own research. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this series of books is, like, extremely hard to describe what the plot is. It's, I, it's very similar to the phenomenon, 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 phenomenon that I have with the Cimmerillion, where I cannot keep all of the information about these books in my head at once. As soon as I read more of the books, it pushes more of my other memories about them out. That's just a lot. Yeah. It's very dense. It's very dense. There's a lot of world building. Great. Um, it's like, if you like that kind of, like, epicness and, like, a lot of, like, weird mystery that you could try and figure out, like, yourself and figure out, like, some cool thing that's either going to happen or that they're going to use, that's, yeah. it's got that kind of deal with it. It's pretty cool. Also, if you're like me, where you're like, I'm just going to read this book. And then people are like, oh, I predicted this thing from all of these points. You're like, wow, people really predict. <laughs> yeah. I can barely, I can barely I'm like, just having fun here just having fun <laughs> yeah um, so the, the the setting is not like, I wouldn't say it's typical fantasy setting it's like, imagine a world that's based they're on a rock humans, pool that has they? like, lots of weird crabs they're not, pe- they're not humans either the main characters they yeah. may be like, no no no, they're not, are they? they've all got like weird they're, they're not like earth humans they're like ca- canon. They're called humans. Yeah, they're canon. They're like humans, but like they're not. They're not. They wouldn't be DNA similar to us. Well, they have uh, evolved from apes or whatever. They like. I thought they evolved from like crabs. 
No, they came from another planet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they've split off and they've probably boinked some crabs at some point. Yeah. They've got some crab in there. There's So there's... The, the main characters are, like, I guess, kind of, like, the traditional fantasy, like, uh, there's, like, some warriors and people who can do magic and that kind of stuff. Oh. And then there's, like, another race of people <laughs> who are, like, native to the planet and are, like, more adapted to, the, like, weird storms and rockiness and, like... The spread. And all the strange things. It's very difficult to describe. But basically, weird rock pool point. world with, like... The native population and then humans who've been there for ages and think that they're native but aren't. And then God is dead. And I thought I read somewhere where Brandon Sand was like, no, they're not really humans like us. I, I think it's because they're created by a god rather than... Because, like, a lot of the different... So this is then getting into, like, a lot of heavy stuff because, right, we've got the whole cosmic. Do we need to put this in the back burner? Put yeah, in put a pin in this because this is this is like related to other books okay. that are not in this series, so I don't think we need to get okay, too we'll far. Okay, we'll save this for the next episode, the Cos- Cosmere episode, where I, Julia's just gonna like have a have a huge conspiracy. It was always sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> like red string red ball. Red string board. Like this is, but, and I'm gonna just be lying on like the the rock. Be like, oh, I like this character. <laughs> I'm, I'm just just letting the waves of words wash over. I'm like, Tanya, keep up, keep up, keep up with what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we won't get too much into that because I really just want to write the dads because um, I think there's some interesting stuff to say. Yep. And so the uh, main characters I'm going to talk about um, are all like in the royal family of one of the countries. So there is Dalinar, who's like one of the main characters in the books, and he also has two kids. One. He's got the Blackthorn. He's like a big general, and like everybody's kind of scared of him, like. If they don't want to get in a fight with you him, basically, because he'll always win. So you think, like, from, like, the description of him, you would think he would be one of those macho, macho men, where it's like, well, everything I feel is either horniness or rage. But it's not that. No. He's, he's, when you, like, first meet him, he's like, I've got to be, I've got to stick to the, co- like, the military codes of my country and, like. Way of kings. And, like, be honourable and, like, try and figure out how we can, like, win this war, but, like. Also rule well and not be, like, completely yeah. crazy, yeah. like, bloodthirsty murderers. I should put out that everybody thinks he's kind of insane. They're like, can you not just chill chill out for five minutes? Yeah, chill out and enjoy some bloodthirst. And can he's you, like, maybe not. Can you please stop lecturing us about the fact that I have to tuck in my fucking shirt? I'm a 50-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, that is basically what he does a lot. Please. Uh, yeah. Okay. And he's like, don't drink alcohol while you're on duty. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um... Yeah, so he's he's kind of a fuddy duddy in a way, but like everybody does still like super respect his military abilities. Okay, they just yeah. think that he's he's gone a little nuts. But yeah, and a couple of people are like he's losing his edge, and then he'll do something totally rad, <laughs> like I don't know, like catch a sword that's coming at his head with yeah. his bare hands. Bare hands. <laughs> like, wow. Everyone's like, oh, the black still has it. Oh my god. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um. And, uh, so yeah, so he has two kids. He has an uh, uh, older child called Adeline, and he's, uh, like, really into dueling, and he's, like, quite a, also quite a good warrior, and he's learning all of, like, the military classic. stuff from his dad. Classic himbo. Yeah, classic himbo. Like, has so many girlfriends. Not all at the same time, I will give you. He's not like that, but he just... He can never, he's never stays interested for long, and then he just moves on to the next lady. He'll probably dump him, and then five minutes later, date another. Yeah, um, but he he fails to see like why 
uh, the ladies seem to have an issue with this, I yes. think, at least initially. Um, and so, yeah, he's kind of, I guess, set up to be, like, his dad's heir and, like, kind of not just inherit his, like, lands and titles and stuff, but also, like, follow in his footsteps of being um, a military leader. But his real passion is dueling and he it's likes... Fashion. His real passion is fashion. Okay, fashion and dueling. Yeah. Yeah. He likes, he likes to, like, have a bout with somebody where he can, like, show off and do fancy things rather than, like, okay. go on, like, a... Like I a battle he zone. more brain power on what kind of outfit he's going to wear than what he's going to duel. There's like, there's like a whole subplot all about the dueling. I know, yeah, but I think, he's, I think he thinks more in his day-to-day That's life probably true. Like, every day, he's probably more about what he's going to wear. So what he's going to wear, what the latest style is. And this isn't a criticism. I think it's great. I'm glad yeah. he's very interested. There's another thing about these books is that they have a bunch of illustrations in. Like, for, like, a big, high-fantasy, massive book, like, they spent quite a lot of time getting illustrations. And so, like, every now and then there'll be one that's, like... Here's a fashion plate. And, you're, <laughs> and it'll have been mentioned in the text somewhere that Adeline was like so looking through some magazine. Pages, 100 pages ago, and like, wow, I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, that's one son. And then Renarin is the other child. And uh, Renarin, like, he has epilepsy, so he has seizures. Um, he's also autistic. Yes. And so in the like first book, when you're first kind of meeting him, he's like, kind of out of place like he's followed his dad to this war zone but he doesn't really have like much of a role there his dad is trying very hard to connect with him yeah his dad's trying really hard to connect with him his brother is very unprotected he's a great like support system but he gets kind of everybody who's not in his family doesn't really they're kind of mean to him they're kind of mean to him they don't they they don't like make the effort to like try and and get him and like get to know him yeah they're just like Oh, he's probably just going to join the church so he can, like, hide away somewhere and do something that doesn't require being, like, a strong manly man. Because they have, like... Talking to people <laughs> without with looking up from the floor. The poor baby. He's doing his absolute best. Yeah. But, like, if they got to know him, they, they realise that he is actually, like... Really smart. He's really intelligent and capable. He's just not the typical masculine ideal that they have in this culture of, like, being basically a warmonger. Let's not lie here. That's basically a masculine idea. Um, I think it's become that. I think it started off as being what Dalinar is trying to bring back. That's true. Like philosopher warrior. Yeah, but it has just kind of devolved into like lowest common denominator. Yeah. Who's got the biggest sword and can hit the hardest? Imagine philosophy is hard. Yeah. Um, um, and especially because in this culture, only women are like taught to read and write, and so you they can like well, read books, but they have to have gifts. like. <laughs> Glyphs, books full of glyphs. Yeah, but they have to have, like, their, like, wife or their, like, female scribe that they've employed, like, read a book to them, like, out loud. Um, so they don't really get involved in, like, a lot of academic culture. It's, it's kind of frowned on to be... They're allowed to read, but they're yeah. ardents and they're, like, religious, so they don't have any mm. political power as much. Yeah. It's more like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's what they keep saying Renarin should go and do, is to go be an ardent so he can, like, read books and stuff, because he's not a strong manly man, so therefore that, that's what you should do. I'm trying to put him in a room. Yeah, put him in a box. Um, and then, like, later on, they... Basically, there's, like, magical, like, knight, like, plate armour stuff in this world that makes you, like, a lot stronger. No, the armour from Breath of the Wild. You may know this. It looks like... It's like that. Yeah, and it makes you, like, faster, and you're, like, basically... Nobody can hit you with anything, really. Yeah. And you're, like, stronger and stuff, and... 
So Dalinar manages to win some more of this. Oh no, he decides to get rid of his, doesn't he? I can't remember. It's either he gives his he to Renarin or he wins more and they give it to Renarin. Um, Doesn't um, Sigma Bob, the older boy, win it in a duel? Oh, Adam, yes, that is right. That, yeah, he wins him in a duel because he beats another. So they have two plates now. They have they have Adam's plate. They have Renarin's. And Dalinar has them as well. But he doesn't really fight very much, uh, except occasionally. Um, um, when he has to. And so he's like, well, this is a solution if you want to try being a warrior, like, your, like, previously your epilepsy has stopped you from training and, like, getting involved in that and everybody's kind of viewed you as weak, but if you have this, then this overcomes that disadvantage. Mm. Um, and, like, so we don't have to worry about you, like, having a a fit on the middle of a battlefield because nobody's going to be able to harm you or whatever, and we can still look after you. And so they kind of, like, try and give him this alternative from the thing that everybody's been pushing him into but it still doesn't really suit Renarin's personality that much. I think he likes the plate. He doesn't like the sword. He does not like the sword, no. Um, for, for, for plot pop, reasons. For plot reasons. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so like, I think the impression that you kind of get of Dalinar like, from the first couple of books is that he's trying really hard to be a really good dad even though he doesn't... He, he can connect more with one son than another on like a, like interests level. Yeah. He's still trying super hard. Yeah. And he's also good at, like, instilling them a sense of discipline and responsibility for others yeah. and all that stuff. So you're like, yeah, okay, you seem pretty great. Um, and then the third book comes along and he gets... So he, all the way through the first book, he can't remember his first wife, who's the mother of these... Uh, these uh, I was going to say two boys, but I'm like, no, they're like 20. So. I think Renaran's like a teenager, but I think Adeline's like 21 or something. Because he's... Yeah, anyway, doesn't really matter what age they are. Um, and you're like, oh, there's a mystery there. And in the third book, he gets his memory back, and you find out, oh, Dalinar, you did not used to be great. He was a bit... You were, you were hmm, you have some issues. He wasn't, he wasn't as good a dad. No, he, he was very excited when Adeline was born. Like, you get this memory, and he's like, oh, I've got, like... Cause meaning in my life beyond just, like, the thrill of battle and, like, doing what my brother the king is always telling me to do and positive feeling in my life oh, like a positive feeling that doesn't involve me killing other people shit wow um and you're like oh wow down you like need to get a hobby or something cool. it's not just a middle of fault because there may be an ancient friend that's, that's, that's like world but again that's TMI <laughs> yeah that TMI well, I don't know when I get into the whole like he's kind of being he's being like shaped up to be like the champion for like the big evil dark force and he just doesn't realise it yeah um anyway uh but he's uh, and so he does try to, like, kind of, I guess, be, like, a good dad to Adeline, but in, like, more of the more bloodthirsty masculine way that I think is typical of their culture. Like, he gives him, a, like, a toy sword and stuff and, like, gets really excited about getting him, like, his first horse and getting him, like, training to his fight. First kill. That, I don't think that comes up, but yeah, no, that but kind I mean, of thing. like, I can imagine Dalinar, without his memories, also being excited to give him a sword. Yeah. Although it would also come with a book. Exactly, Yes. Um, there's no, there's, it's just, it's just the one, it's not, it's not yeah, balanced. but I think the sword in the, like, it, with his original memories, that would be, like, this represents, like, conquering and showing how strong you are, and now it represents, like, protecting discipline. your people, yeah, and, like, and discipline, discipline, and yeah. responsibility, yeah, um, uh, but Dalinar is kind of, I guess, 
He's pretty neglectful of his wife. Yeah. And... Neglectful. Neglectful of her feelings. She doesn't really... Her feelings don't necessarily factor into stuff. Anyways, yeah. Apart from that she may cry. He's like, oh, God. Because I have to do all this now. Yeah. Like, he, he kind of... I guess internally he kind of respects her, but he doesn't know how to deal with that feeling because a lot of what she stands for is really against what he's supposed to be doing. So he just kind of ignores it and just, like, shouts that down and yeah. goes with what he thinks is expected of him and it just makes her really upset and then he like goes away to war for ages and Renarin's born when he's away and he doesn't even respond to her request for like what should we name our child mm-hmm. and is really disappointed like when he kind of realizes that Renarin's not going to be like a second Adeline yeah. as a son um and basically just neglects him and lets their mum kind of do all of the parenting, really, whilst he's yeah. away at war, um, and isn't really that interested. No, I'm saying he's not particularly interested in either of his children. No. Um, and then he accidentally kills his wife oh. <laughs> in, like, a bloodthirst-induced rage where he burns down an entire city and kills everybody in it. In fairness, he didn't know she was there. He didn't know she was there. But he also was, like, totally happy killing all of the other yeah. completely innocent people that lived in their city. Yeah. He, I don't think he would have done it if she had been, if he'd known she was there. Yeah. And then he develops, he already had alcohol problems, and now he's, like, full-blown alcoholic with, yeah. uh, like... I think he feels immense guilt. Yeah. He he moves a lot more away from, like, fighting at that point, and he's he's, like, kind of disgusted by it. Yeah. And by what he's done. Yeah. But he doesn't have anything else to fill the hole and he doesn't have any kind of morals. So he just fills it with alcohol and continues to neglect his children. Yes. Um until eventually he goes to this like magic spray. No, 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 no. No, his brother dies. His brother dies, yeah. Um and then they While go While he is drunk. Well, yes. So he yeah, his brother gets assassinated. Well he's he's, he's blackout drunk. drunk. Yeah. And um, he feels really bad about it. I think it also feels really bad about it, but it also, also motivates him to do something. Yeah. So he goes and gets his memory of his wife erased. Oh no, I think he just goes... He doesn't actually ask for that. That's yeah. not what he intends to ask for. He, he just wants to be forgiven for what yeah. he's done. Um, and so, like, the uh, the night watcher slash this, like, god lady are basically like, mm, I could give you that, but instead I'm going to take your memories away and then I'm going to give them back to you at the worst possible moment. Have fun with that. Okay, it's not the worst possible moment. There may be a point to it. There is a point to it. He gets his memories back so he can learn how to deal with them before somebody else is going to take advantage of that. I think it's good because, like, she does give... What he wants is for himself to forgive himself. Yeah. So she takes away the memories that make him can't forgive himself. So technically, she gives him what he wants. And then when he is at the point where he can forgive himself... Yeah, he has all of that growth. Like, he reads this book that his brother supposedly read before he died that was all about how to be, like a good and noble king, basically, or, like, how to figure out what the right thing is to do. It's basically a philosophy book. Yeah, it's a biography. Yeah. Of this, um, this, like, guy from, like, thousands of years ago. Um, and then starts to develop his more, like, responsible and honourable personality and, like, I guess be the person that he always could have been, but he never was. Yeah. Um, and then he gets his memories back and... He's yeah. able to see his growth and be like, I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. I can forgive myself. Okay. Yes. Um, Good. He does get blackout drunk a couple more times, though, after he gets his memory back, because he's just what? like, that was the, that's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal 
doing? Yeah. And he picks himself up, yes. up, and he figures out how to move forward with it. He does. Yeah. Um, but he also doesn't tell his children about the whole, your mom died because of me, and they everybody frames it as, she betrayed you, and, like, she got killed by the other side. I think it's killed by the other side, or, like, she got killed because she was a traitor or whatever. I thought it was that she got, the official line was that she got kidnapped and they killed her because she was a hostage. He, I think he, he puts that out there, but everybody thinks that she was a traitor. Oh, okay. Um, uh, until he, yeah, until in this third book he gets his memory back and he, um, he like, get, writes his own biography, which is, again, super controversial because the men, men aren't supposed to be able to read or write. So he, like, he learns how to do it. No, no, he learns how to write. Oh. Um, he's like, these gender conventions are whack. Um, and Jasna, his niece, is like, you're right, these gender conventions are whack. <laughs> she's she's great. She's one of my faves. Except she's also kind of ruthless and bloodthirsty. Yeah. But there we go. It runs in the family. Um, yeah, and, and then they find out that their dad killed their mom, and that's probably quite a lot to deal with, and it's... Is it going to drive a bit of a wedge between them? Yes. Yeah. What's well, important to know that he didn't know she was there. Yeah. He didn't kill her like he threw a sword through her. No, no, no. He like he burnt the place down and he she happened the to be there. Down and she happened to be And in he there. didn't know she was there. Um, he didn't know she was there. He did hear her screaming, but he just didn't think it was her. Yeah. Which I is kind of traumatic. Playing, playing tricks on him afterwards. Um, that might be. Um, but... I was going to say something, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more the thing that he didn't tell them the truth. Yes. At the time, or, like, when they were old enough. But by the time they were old enough, he'd already lost his memories. Yeah. So, it was still a good, it was still a good few years after that had happened before he got rid of his memories. So, he would have had a chance to tell them if he yeah, thought it was important. Yeah, but would be a bit too young, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so much. Yeah. I don't know how much Renner actually remembers his mum, because he's, like, like, four or five or something when she dies, right? Or maybe older than that, actually. Maybe more like 9 or 10. Yeah. Yeah? Mm, it might be 4 or 5, because then it'll be like another 4 or so years, and then Gavilar gets assassinated, and then they spend 8 years of war. Yeah, but he's got... He, he goes in, like, pretty much after assassination, he goes gets his memory stored. Yeah. So, so if he's 16 now, he would have been 8. And, and then he would have been... Were, well, they weren't there for very long, before the Pashidis, the... Pashendi. Um, Pashendi's um, assassinated Watson the Jake, Galvanar. Yeah. I'd say, but obviously, it's, I would say maybe like, it might have been six. Okay, six yeah. So, but still, they're still pretty young. Um, it's pretty young. But Adeline and um, Evie, was, who was the mum, were like super close. Um, so, which is why he's such a sweet sunshine boy, even though he's also a murder boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, I don't really know how to phrase it, so I, I feel like current Dalinar is, like, a valid dad, and then, like, old Dalinar is, like, a just-no-dad, so I guess we're gonna have to go with No! Complex. There's growth. Like, Marl in the beginning was a complex dad. Mm. You break him at the end. Yeah, okay. Well, at the end, he'd be valid. Yeah. Like, he, he is trying really hard, and he's doing... He's trying really hard. Um, yeah. Doing things that make him feel uncomfortable just to do the right thing for yeah. his kids, so... That is pretty valid. Anyway, so that's the main dad, and then there are, like, two other dads I really want to mention. Gavilar, who is uh, Dallas' brother, gets assassinated, who is the king. He has two kids, Elokar and Jasna. 
Jasna's the oldest. They don't necessarily... I don't think they turn out as good as Balinor's kids. No, they don't. Jasna is, like... So she's really super intelligent. She's, like, a scholar. And that's, like, what she's pursuing with her life. Skills uh, are somewhat lacking. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional intelligence is... Yeah. She's... She's... She does good things. She's, like, a... Like, I guess she's kind of, like, philosophically, she's, like, a humanist, and she wants to do the most good for the most number of people. But she'll, like, do... Propose, like, really brutal choices in order to do that. Like, I think at one point she's like, let's just do a genocide, and then that will solve the whole problem, and everybody will be all right after that. And you're like, mm, jazz now. Maybe not. Um, Genocide never works. There's one bit where one of the main characters has kind of, like, just met her and has, like... Jasmine's taken on her as, like, a ward to, like, train her as a scholar. And they, like... She's like, I'm going to show you some, like, like a practical demonstration of philosophy. And they go out in the street in the middle of the night and they get attacked by robbers and she just, like, straight up kills them. Straight up. And she's like, so, what do you think of this philosophy question? Like, whether we should kill criminals or whatever? And and Chatelain, who is the girl that's just been kind of um, taken on, is like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, they wander around without guards and stuff, which is, like... And wearing Nobody lots should, of really expensive jewellery. Nobody should be robbed. That's, yeah. But also this is maybe entrapment. This is entrapment and that, that leads to their death. So, mm, not sure how much I agree with your the actions there. The police wouldn't get away with this. Yeah. Um, but, like, in other ways, I do think she's really awesome. I just think that maybe she she needs to have somebody she trusts to stand there and be, like, tell her when she's going too far with things. Okay. But then back to the dad. Back to yes. Um... I think he's a garbage human being and I kind of hate him. <laughs> we don't see him very much because obviously he's like dead at the beginning of, before the beginning of the first book because he's already been assassinated. His but son has some problems. His son has some problems. His son has like, feels like he has massive shoes to fill and then Dalinar's there being like, I'm the great Blackthorn and everybody super respects me. And Elico's like, I guess I'm still king though, right? Like, it's, people will do what I say. like pretty, well, I mean, he thinks about sometimes doing a treachery. Yeah, he sometimes thinks about doing it as usurping. Sometimes he thinks about it, but mostly that's because he wants everybody to live. Yeah, and he's like, I just need everybody to just do what I say and it will be fine. fine. And Alucard's like, but I don't want to. And he's like, oh, can I just get rid of you? Like, work together. They'll come and complain to me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, But Alucard does have a lot of growth later on, but that's nothing to do with his dad because his dad is dead. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you get, basically you get flashbacks of the day, the night that Gavilar got assassinated at the beginning of every book, and I have read the one for the new book that's coming out um, in, a, in a couple of weeks, um, because they've released it online, oh and in fact they've released like the first 20 chapters online. I need to read that. Um, so, like, there's a bit where he's in that, where he's talking to his wife, which I guess is kind of spoilers if you haven't read it. It's not super important for the plot or anything. Um, And he's basically just super dismissive of both of his children. And he thinks that... Basically, he he becomes king by, like, conquering the whole country before this happens. Yeah, with his brother's help. With his brother's help, yeah. And I think he's kind of got to the point where he thinks, like, I'm going to be immortal, live forever, I'm going to rule forever, I'm the greatest, and nobody else can ever live up to me, not even my children. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he, like, gives them loads of education and stuff, but I don't know if that really counteracts the whole, like, I don't really care about you thing. So I'm going to put him down just now. Yeah, sounds pretty bad. Um, and then there's Liren, who is um, Kaladin's son. And these, go- these characters are, like, completely unrelated to this family. They're, they're, like, 
the I guess the commoners poor people they're not that poor but they're like not high status they don't have any land or anything like that so so in this country which is why I also think that they're not they're not um regular humans they're made by the gods whatever yeah they have Um, weird DNA they have weird DNA where like um certain people are born with what they would call light eyes so this could be like blue eyes or green eyes green purple whatever you can tell yeah. what colour they are. And then you have dark eyes who don't have the weird glowy sh- shit in their eyes. I don't I don't think the light eyes actually had glowy eyes. I think that's just if you have a shard blade, right? Uh, I thought that the reason why they think that their light eyes have... have um, I thought was it like that it was passed down. It is passed It is passed down, but I don't think it's... I don't think they actually glow. I think they're just... I think they just... They kind of glow. Because Thingo Bob's eyes turn into light eyes. Yeah, but isn't that because he has... That magic powers. I don't like when he gets the shard blade. Shard blade, yeah. Yeah. So it's Marsh's. But I always thought Marsh's eyes just turned amber coloured. They didn't glow because he didn't get his. He just got a shard blade. He didn't get magic powers. I think there's some. There's like something in them that makes them like stained glass. You can tell more what colour they are. Yeah, like it's very obvious if somebody has light coloured eyes and if somebody has dark coloured eyes. They're just like super, like basically super dark brown all the time. Or like brown. They're like dark purple or dark. Green or dark blue or dark brown. That's what I always thought. They don't really, to be fair, they don't really describe the colours. They're just like, these people have dark eyes and these people have light eyes. And the light eyes are in charge and they get to, like, rule. And the dark eyes are, like, the commoners and the other people who are, like, merchants and stuff. Because some back in the age generations, the light eyes ancestors had shard blades or something. And had magical powers and stuff. Had magical powers and stuff. But anybody can have a shard blade. Anybody can have... They're super cool swords, basically. Super cool swords. And if you get one, you when you're a dark eyes, your light eyes... You can bond with a spren as well. Yes, and you really remember the spren You just have well. to get picked. It doesn't, it doesn't affect your ability to do magic. It's just... Uh, it's just, like, basically, in history, this thing happened, and it was, like, it had a reason behind it, and then everybody's forgotten what that is yeah. now, and it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Mm. Like, um, why left-handedness is considered to be bad. Yeah. It's not, really. It's... Fine. It's just a thing that is from. To wipe your butt with your left hand and eat with your right. And she doesn't mean anything anymore. It's also like why you shouldn't put your elbows on the table. It's because tables used to just be planks of wood on things, and then if you put your elbows on the table, it's it would tip over. <laughs> like, and it, that would be really inconvenient for everybody so else eating dinner with you. Also, you could get splinters. Also, you could get splinters. And now, like, there's no reason to not put your elbows on the table. It's just a thing. It's just yeah, politeness. Anyway. Um, Except that doesn't, like, impact people's, like, economic livelihoods. Like, yeah. having dark eyes is what's in this year. dad and his family are the highest rank of, like, dark eyes you can possibly be. Yeah. So maybe about, maybe equivalent. Maybe just as equivalent as the lowest possible band of light eyes. Economically yeah. speaking. Maybe not in terms mm. of rights. Yeah, not in terms of rights, but, like, there'll be people who have light eyes that have about, like, the same money and wealth as them. They're probably even poorer light eyes, to be honest. Yeah. If they are like, really down on their luck. Um, but... Cal- so Kaladin's dad is a surgeon, um, and ca- grows up kind of. Kaladin grows up learning his dad's trade, um, but then ends up going to war because his younger brother gets drafted, and he decides that he it's better for him to go along and protect him. Yeah, the petty light eyes revenge. Yes, um, and then his brother dies, and he. So, like, a whole bunch of stuff happens, but basically Kaladin gets all into slavery. And it's all really bad and sad. And, um, but then he, later on he gets magical powers. He gets very depressed. He, he, yes, he has depression. Um, there's a lot of stuff about mental health in this book as well. Yeah. Um, but 
Lauren is Kaladin's dad, and I think there's, there's like a lot of controversial opinion on this because he's he's in the flashbacks he's really forceful on trying to get Kaladin to be a surgeon and like that's his vision for his future. And also, this is we see it mostly from Kaladin's point of view. We do see it mostly from Kaladin's point of view. Although, again, new book chapters I read. There's Lauren POVs. Um, anyway, that's not the point because I don't want to give too many spoilers for that. Like the prologue is not super important, and I thought. I tell that, but I don't want to don't reveal the rest because other people might want to read it when it comes out. You're gonna have to cut so much out of this. I know. Anyway, uh well, the point that I was saying is uh that Kaladin's never like fully sold on that, and he thinks that you can protect people by fighting the bad guys, basically, just as much as you can help people by healing people who are sick and stuff. But his dad is very much like, no, the only way to help people is is to help them with medicine, and that killing people is always wrong. And you have to basically kind of agree with me. So this is ends up being all unresolved for Kaladin. Like, because he's still kind of a kid when he goes away to war and he never sees his parents again for ages and ages and ages and all of this shit happens to him. Um, and he eventually gets to the point where, like, he's got his, like, magical powers. He's risen up. He's now, like, Dalinar's bodyguard from the previous stuff we were talking about. Um Blackthorn, and he's able to go back to his home to try and help them out when there's this big cataclysm about to happen. Um, and he sees his family for the first time again, and like there's this whole bit where like he's back and he's got these like slave rounds, and there's also this one that says he's dangerous and stuff. And everybody's like, and he at that, that point his eyes are dark because even though he has a shard, it only makes his eyes light when he like takes it out. And like everybody else's, where they sort of it sort of perma perma changes your eyes, I like mirages. Yeah. Um, and so they just think that he's like a deserter. He ran away from the army, or whatever. <laughs> and and his dad and his mom are still like, it's okay, we support you. And everybody else is like, maybe we should go and get the city lord and be like, I don't know what we should do with him because he's probably a criminal. And Callum the whole time is like, will you guys just listen to me? You have to do this thing now, otherwise, like, you're all going to die, and I need your help very, with my mission. I think you had a huge amount of sympathy for Dalinar. Yeah. <laughs> At that point. Yeah, and then nobody was listening to him, so he just, gets, he just pulls out his shard blade, and everybody's like, holy fuck, you're, like, more important than everybody here, because as soon as you get one of them, you're, like, the fifth yeah. rank in, the, like, out of the country or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, like, he outranks the city lord that they went and got and everything. Um, and his dad is just disappointed in him because he has this weapon weapon. yeah and it's like it's really sad and heartbreaking but also at the same time you're like i can't see how he would have changed his mind about any of this by this point if his dad could have picked his friend for him it would have been that healing one yeah it would have been wasn't it slick the uh um, lift lift yeah um wanted him to have lifts yeah wendell the little little vine spren that can make you heal things and also like Get, get rid of friction so you can be super slippery and like slide around and do like the most awesome soft slides ever. Everybody's favorite. That's everybody's favorite. Oh, also Patton. Patton, Patton is hilarious. Oh, Patton. <laughs> it's like no mating. He's like no mm, lies. lies. <laughs> this really sounds like complete gibberish to anybody who's listening. This is not read these books. Anyway, they're really good and you should read them all. Um, but I, I. I think... Tattoo idea. A tattoo that looks like Patton. Yeah. That would be cool. Like, super fractally. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're back, back to Lyran. Um 
I think he'll probably end up being okay, but at the moment I have to put him in the complex yeah. bracket because he can't see past his own ideology to like actually connect with his son and help him with his life. Yeah. Um, especially because like Kaladin is now super depressed and he doesn't seem to realize that. Yeah. yeah. Um, in their interactions, and I'm like, it's like he's a lot got of... PTSD. Please help him out. Yeah, like, I, I, um, I think, I think it's fine for Lyra to not, he doesn't want to hurt people, he's a doctor, and he really thinks mm. that it's important to help everybody. I think that's a really good moral path. Mm. And, and it, teach your children, I think it, his, his dedication to preserving life and, like, helping anybody really shows in Kaladin, because he always wants to protect people, mm. it's so important to him to take care of people. He just, he just, like, he packed bonds with anybody who's yeah. vulnerable that he ever meets. Yeah, exactly. Including people that are on the enemy side. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and I'm pretty sure that's his dad influence, as yeah. well as his own personality, but, like, that drilling into him mm. of that morals is what makes Calvin the great person. I just think his dad can't see past the, this fighting. Mm. He puts this big burden and expectation on him that he's only going to be a good person if he does what Lauren thinks is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, which... Like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to teach your kids morals and stuff, but at some point you've got to step back and be like, they're making their own choices, and I still have to show them that I love them and accept them as who they are, even if they're not quite doing the thing that I think is right. Sure. Like... I mean, if, if, if Canada was a mass murderer, I'd be like, me. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. If he was doing a genocide, I'd be like, mm, I don't like you he's anymore. He's a killer. Like, mm. Yeah. But... But he's not. He's all he's been doing has been, like, driven by, like, a desire to protect people, even when he was... Fighting at war, he'd be like trying to get the young kids into his. I'm gonna finish very quickly. Like the young kids into his squad, so that he could protect them, yeah. rather than like let them just get sent out on front lines and get killed. So, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think he thinks everybody's important. Like, what's his name? What the guy with one arm? Uh, Lopen. Lopen. He's like he. He doesn't dismiss him because of his disability. He finds him something to do that he can do. Yeah. And like he becomes part of a team. You know, he's just as important as anybody else. Yeah, and they have one guy who won't has, fight. like, like yeah, they have Rock who won't fight, and then they have that other guy who's, like, got battle shock and just doesn't talk anymore. And just like, yeah. But he still, Cullen still gets him involved yeah. and, like, doesn't just dismiss him and thinks that he's a dead weight. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are some issues in Stormark to do with, like, ableism and stuff, which I won't get into, but I think Kaladin's attitude towards it is always, like, really positive and it's- good. I think he's, he's just like you're, you're, you're a person, and I will take care of you. Yeah. Like we're, we're like we are now friends, and anybody who tries to hurt you, I will bite their face off. Yeah, and then I'll be really sad about the thought you might possibly have died. Yeah. And like have a slight mental breakdown, and you're like, oh, Calvin, you don't have to protect the entire world. And he's like, no, I do. Yeah, if anything, that's what his dad needs to teach him. Is like yeah. you can't save everybody. Yeah, he was never very good at that though. Like, even when he was learning how to be a surgeon, he didn't know how to, like... Let go. Yeah, see that somebody else was able to be helped and the person that he was trying to help was just going to die. And you can do anything about it. Yeah. Mm. You can just do your best, but Callan is like, my best is that everybody lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is Callan. Just like him to a T. Was this all the dads were doing for this episode? Yeah, I mean, there are, like, other minor ones, but I think... We can cover them and We can cover them at the time, because I've episode. talked a lot already. Um, and those are the most important ones, plot-wise. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you all for listening. That will uh, see you in the next episode. Don't forget to like, 
and rate and all of that stuff and tweet at us at we were the Dax.